This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 73rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you? What was that? (laughs) What just happened to me? Uh, You're growing up. I guess. I just hit puberty all of a sudden. You know, Cameron, I I was doing some thinking today. And I was actually had some inspiration from a, another podcast I was listening to, but they were talking about famous movies, like really famous movies they've never seen. So I started thinking about my own life and, you know, I, I, I like movies, but you know, I'm not some crazy movie watcher. I know you, you definitely like movies, but I'm a crazy movie watcher. If you off the top of your head, what could you think of a really famous movie that you haven't seen before? Um, off the top of my head, I've never seen Scarface, pretty famous movie. Pretty famous. Um, I think I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I've never seen Remember the Titans. What? what? Yeah, I know. I figured you guys would say that. That, that was definitely that was like the first one that came in my mind where I was like, that is definitely a movie that is like everyone in the world has seen it, especially you know, sports fans. Seen I I've seen like uh, parts of it as a kid, but I've never watched it from like start to finish. We need to have a watch party. We're gonna have, a, have to have a movie night. Okay, that's fine. Actually, I'll set up a chair opposite. You guys need to make like a YouTube series about me. Like my friend watched Remember the Titans for the first time. You ever seen those? No, not that one specifically. But <laughs> yeah, not that one because they don't exist because everyone's <laughs> seen it. But um, I remember what I was gonna say. Remember anyway. the Titans is a great movie. Oh yeah, is it is it weird that because I watch a lot of sports in normal life that I feel like I'm not that interested in sports movies? Is that that's, that's strange? Not, that's not so strange. Um, maybe a little strange, but, uh, one frustrating thing about watching sports a lot and then watching a sports movie is they just get stuff wrong, like just in how sports are played. Yeah. Like that's annoyingly unrealistic. That's or true. Just completely wrong. Like for example, in basketball movies or actually more specifically in football movies, they will with like the time. Yes. On the clock, it'll like run out right as they're like crossing the end or the goal line. The last. And it's like, yeah. No, you could have snapped it with one second, <laughs> and there been zero on the clock this entire time. The last five seconds of a basketball game take like sixty seconds of real time somehow. That's pretty realistic. <laughs> Actually, I guess maybe <laughs> timeouts and video reviews and stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot of sports movies, but I've seen like Air Bud, but that's yeah. about it. What about Disney Channel original movie Luck of the Irish? Oh, uh, probably. Oh yeah, love those. those he great. becomes a leprechaun and plays basketball. I, I, yeah, maybe I maybe I've missed that one. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about movies. Um, that was episode one of the sports movie podcast. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about though is the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Finally happened, man. It's so it's so weird to know that I'm gonna go to a Super Bowl party and I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl and it's my I'm gonna care about the game. I feel like normally I just like 
show up and hang out with friends and watch a game because that's just kind of what you do for a Super Bowl party and you just want to see a good game you want to see good commercials and that's really all you care about but it's gonna be a little different this time for me it's gonna be I don't know about more serious but I'll definitely be paying a lot more attention to the game producer Cameron are you going to root for the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl because on behalf of your friends that you love so much that you'll probably be in the presence of while you watch it did they root for my team when they were in the Super Bowl I sure didn't because they were playing the Panthers, but um, actually, I probably did. I can pretty honestly. much guarantee you that they all rooted for the Panthers. Yeah, I definitely root for the Panthers. Sorry, man. That's okay. I understand. I, that's, I understand. Are you going to wear a Broncos jersey to the Super Bowl party? You have a Drew Locke jersey yet? No, but I should get one. You should. Awesome. Yep. Cover your bases. Uh, the Panthers play in Kansas City next year. We are going to go. And they play the Broncos in Charlotte. And we're going to go. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Save your mind. Um, we've got a lot of basketball to talk about today. But before we do any of that, we do have some news items. First things first, Christian Holmes is transferring from the Mizzou football program. This was just announced today. Uh, has it been announced like officially with a press release or anything? Or have any coaches commented on it? I don't think so. I think it was just... Um confirmed by a couple of media members but um and that just because he's in the transfer port transfer portal doesn't necessarily mean he's 100 percent leaving but obviously most likely he is uh which it's a little surprising to me because i felt like he was going to be in line for a starting job potentially since ac is transferring so i thought it would probably be or not, excuse me yeah that's a, that's a big difference he's graduating <laughs> congratulations he's transferring to, to hopefully the nfl yes absolutely uh, Demarcus Ace is graduating, and uh, so I thought he would start along with uh, Jarvis Ware. So, not really sure what's going on there, but I would assume Adam Sparks maybe jumps in there to the starting spot. But we've got a long way to go, and we have a totally different coach leading us now. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, the coaching staff was finalized, and uh, there's an article on Rock M Nation that was kind of interesting. It pointed out that. It's kind of weird how the, especially the defensive coaches, their titles are kind of strange because there's like a secondaries coach, a defensive backs coach, and a safeties coach. Yeah. I, I really didn't take a super deep dive into all of the titles and stuff, but it, it is definitely unusual how they've decided to split it all up. And it's maybe just as weird on the offensive side because obviously Coach Drinkwitz is calling the plays, so there's not really like a offensive coordinator per se. So, yeah, everybody just kind of has unique roles within the system, and it's still a little bit undefined, I guess. As long as it works for them. That's I don't fine. care what they call each other. Yeah. And I'm sure as, they're getting, as, as long as they're getting paid, they're probably okay with it as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of transfers, Felipe Franks, quarterback from uh, that used to play for Florida now, will be transferring to Arkansas. So that's pretty much guaranteeing a win uh next year for missouri because not only has missouri been really good against arkansas lately they've also destroyed felipe franks while he was at florida as has most everybody that plays felipe franks um i was really hoping that franks would return to florida um especially by the time that uh, missouri played them this past season because he got hurt early on um of course their backup came in and was fantastic as you would probably think a decent quarterback would be around good players. So uh, Felipe Franks could not do that. So he's going to go to Arkansas and play with probably even worse players. So 
um, that's great news for Missouri. Hopefully. I got to say, I officially unfollowed Barry Odom on Twitter. I had to as well. That was just too weird. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm sick of it already. Just. I hate it. Yeah. The fact that he was in St. Louis and like posted a picture of the arch and also hashtag WPS. Yeah. Just. I saw this video of, I think it was an Arkansas basketball game recently, maybe like a week ago. And they had the new football staff come out on the floor to be recognized. And like they did the woo pig suey thing, which honestly, no matter who I'm a fan of or who I don't like, it's the worst chant, like in all of sports very easily. Yes. It's so cringy. And so Barry Odom was like doing the whoop pig suey thing. And you could tell he was super uncomfortable doing it, but it was kind of hilarious. Yeah. I, of all the places for him to go, I literally would have rather him go to Kansas yeah. than Arkansas. If he go, I mean, if he, uh, I don't know. I was going to say if he goes to Arkansas and we just continue to beat them, then it's whatever. But it's still just kind of weird. Cause I like the guy. I don't right. want to just ruin his career or something, but it is just bizarre in every way possible. And you do have the power to ruin his career. So that's nice of you to hold back. Thanks, man. Uh, next on my list, Mizzou football got a commitment from Mecky Wingo. Yeah, it's a 2021 commit. So this is obviously super early in the cycle. Mackay? I don't honestly have no idea. I Wingo, we're just going to call him sure. M. Wingo. So uh, I actually thought about asking, trying to f- actually figure out what his first name is is how it's pronounced because i knew that we would be like talking about it so much because it's still a year away from signing day for the 2021 class but we'll find out eventually we will find out eventually i'm sure but obviously that's that's huge to get him on board he's an in-state guy from st louis um and it's just it's good to get those in-state guys especially on board early because it just seemed it kind of just sends a message to other in-state recruits like it's a vote of confidence for the new coach. First of all, it's a vote of confidence just for the program in general. Like it's okay to jump on board early. Like let's get this thing going. And a lot of times that's how it goes. Um, you know, after following recruiting pretty closely for several years now, the, the domino effect, the, the cause and effect is it's very strong in recruiting. So a lot of times you'll kind of see a domino effect after one guy commits. It's kind of a a chain reaction. See how many times, how many ways I can, (laughs) I can describe a a that phenomenon in like (laughs) hello everyone it's cameron and kyle from the future we just ended uh, a recording session of this podcast and there was breaking news so we thought we'd just throw it right in here so without further ado kyle what was the news uh missouri got a commitment for the football team for 2020 they flipped a recruit from mississippi state take that mike leach uh and that's going to be benjamin key a defensive end uh, who actually moved to the United States in the last few years after he moved from Australia. He uh, played rugby wow. in Australia. But this dude is 6'5", 285. So he Defensive end, you say? Yes. So he hopefully he's not going to have a, need a lot of time to uh, get his body ready to play. I wonder how old he is. I wonder if he's standard freshman in college age or if he's a little bit older, maybe a little bit more seasoned. Uh, I think he might be a Juco guy, potentially. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I don't think he is a true freshman. But well, it we, is breaking news after all, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a little we'll, bit more digging on yeah, that. We'll, we'll get but, that to you. Uh, he, potentially, he could be stepping right into some playing time next year. Yeah, obviously, this is a huge area of need. Defensive end, probably maybe more than 
any other position on the team. So huge need, huge get, literally. Terrific. Well, we just want to make sure we uh, included that breaking news. So without further ado, enjoy the rest of the podcast. We'll get back to the uh, depressive state of Mizzou basketball. Didn't have to say that. Uh, last thing here is not really news, but holy cow, did you see the two teams to the west of us just try to turn a football, uh, basketball game in, not only into a football game, but then into a fight club? Oh, that was incredible. They were throwing punches. Yeah. Almost threw a chair or something. Yeah, D'Souza was like trying to destroy. I honestly, like, what was he trying to do? He picked up a chair, like a stool. And then an assistant coach kind of like stopped him from like doing whatever he whoever looked, he was about to like hit. He was about to either like come down on somebody's skull. Yeah, with someone it was gonna or, die. Yeah, <laughs> and he was like on top of this lady too. Like I don't even know who she was, but she was just like a fan or a photographer or something. And she's like down on the ground, like just trying to like get away from him. And he's just like holding the stool above his his head, like about to destroy somebody. And it was really quite the uh, quite the scene. Do you place any blame on the Kansas State player who stole the ball with in garbage time when they were down by 20 and tried to make a play? Is it, like, kind of douchey? Sure. But am I going to destroy his skull with a chair over it? Probably not. I mean, especially, like, we're yeah, we're winning the game. Just let him do it. And, yeah. if and, and then even after that, you go down and get the block on him. And that's, like, yeah. the exclamation point, like, okay, Congratulations! You yeah. tried to do this, and you just got destroyed. I feel so. like you should just be like laughing at him, yeah. really more than anything. But yeah, he took offense to that clearly. <laughs> Whatever happened down there, it, the Sousa did not yeah. care for it. Well, then there was the like plain clothes um, K State player that just like ran over and was kind of instigated everything. Yeah, from that point, it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah. But uh, since nobody got hurt, um, we can laugh about it. Yeah, I think that D'Souza got suspended 12 games, I think, what I saw. There was, like, three other guys, like, two two players from each team, I think, got suspensions, but the other ones were pretty small. I saw on Twitter, I don't know if this was real or not. I don't know. It seemed like it, but on somebody that was calling a different college basketball game on ESPN said, I wonder if Bill Self will suspend him without pay. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That was pretty witty. Yeah. Um, well, that's enough news, I guess. Unfortunately, we have to uh, talk about a couple games that Missouri played this past week. So let's take a, a time machine back to the Alabama game that Missouri lost 88-74. to 74. Of course, this game was in Tuscaloosa. Despite shooting 31 of 31 from the free throw line, Uh, Missouri came up short, and even though this was a relatively close game the whole time, it never really felt to me like Missouri was going to, you know, get over the hump and Mm -hmm. win this game. Yeah, 100% never felt like Missouri was going to win this game. Even whenever they kind of made a little run, I think they got within three at one point, like within the last 10 minutes or so of the game, I never really took it seriously. I was... I mean, obviously, I wanted the win, but I was almost just more captivated by the free throw shooting by the end of the game. I just kind of wanted them to get fouled so they could just keep shooting free throws. Yeah. Because I never really took them seriously as far as winning the game. Unfortunately, they did not draw any fouls after about the seven minute mark or yeah. so. And so I don't they know. They were stuck on 31 right. for the rest of the I game. I don't know if that's something that they were changed the way they were playing or if the refs just decided to stop calling fouls because they kept calling fouls on Missouri, but. Uh, Missouri 
really they, I mean they were in the double bonus with like eight to ten minutes left in the game and never went to the line again um, after 31 free throws which is honestly a ton especially for Missouri yeah but uh, Drew Smith had a pretty good game in this one he had 18 points six rebounds two assists and four steals but uh, just like like just about everybody else he was not very efficient uh, 18 points on 14 shots not the best uh, Mark Smith had 15 points Kobe Brown and Xavier Pinson each had 11 and Kobe Brown was the only person that was even remotely efficient he was 5 of 5 from 2 but 0 for 2 from 3 the shooting just outside of the free throw shooting shooting was abysmal in this game Missouri from 2 was 14 of 41 for 34 percent and from three, five of 20 for 25 percent. Yeah, that's obviously a common theme that carried over into the Texas A&M game as well. But it's so weird to me how just how bad they are and how it's almost like they just ignore the fact that they can't shoot threes because they do it so much. And I think I've said this probably every week for the last like month, but they just, it's like, they don't know who they are. It's like a different team. Every time we watch them, like sometimes they play amazing defense and then sometimes they don't, sometimes they shoot really well from three and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they attempt 35 threes in a game. And then other times they don't shoot as many. It's just, I don't know what the plan is a lot of the times, but it just seems like the plan doesn't work if it's to shoot a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, the last two games, the plan has seemed to be get to the free throw line, and that's working. That's the only thing on offense that's even right. And I still, working. I still think they're shooting too many threes. If that's the plan, though, there's just still more opportunity to get the ball inside or to drive. And because that should be the plan, is get to the line. At this point, we've proven we can shoot free throws, so why not just make that the most important thing? Yeah, and I think that's definitely where missing Jeremiah Tillman comes into play because they just they have nothing. They have no reliable post offensive post presence i still think they could maybe use reed nico in a few just some really basic high ball screens roll to the basket yeah he's shown know. he's he's shown he can do that yeah. in the last couple of games he's he's done that pretty well a couple of times i think you could maybe get him some more touches just like in that targeted role especially if you're using drew smith and mark smith as the ball handler because they're going to be a threat you know if you if somebody tries to go under the screen they can just take a step back and make a three-pointer so although i'm still if drew smith doesn't start pulling the trigger on more three-pointers i think it's just going to be really frustrating to watch him the rest of the season because as great as he plays and he's i think easily the best player on Missouri's roster right now and probably will be next year as well he's got to start pulling the trigger from three yeah. I mean he's passing up wide open shots sometimes yeah. to kick it to the corner to Mitchell Smith yeah you know I don't like that <laughs> no offense Mitchell Smith but I uh, please stop shooting threes anyways I 100% agree I felt like there were multiple times in both of these games we're gonna that we're gonna talk about that it was these, you know, nice, unselfish plays, I guess, but it never ended up amounting to a made three. And I felt like multiple times a guy who was a more capable shooter passed up a three to give like Penson an open three or something like that. 
yeah, we'll get to that a little bit more in the Texas A&M game. But uh, yeah, when it's just when you're not athletic enough, or I don't know what the issue is with the with the two point field goals, but they're attempting a lot of shots right around the rim, and they're just just not working out very well. Um, and Alabama did did what they normally do on offense. Um, they shot the ball well from deep. John Petty was four of ten. He had twenty points on this one. The team as a whole, 13 of 39 for 33%. That's definitely enough to win a lot of SEC games, especially if you're shooting 12 of 17 from two-pointers. Yeah. It was remarkable how good they were on offense. And, I mean, we knew that coming in, that Alabama was far superior to Missouri on the offensive side of the ball. And, I don't know, you just kind of hope that, especially the way Missouri plays, you just kind of hope that they – get cold or something but that did not happen at all there's the whole game i mean i guess they slowed down a little bit in the second half but for the most part at least from three they were they were really good and when they weren't making a three they were typically getting the offensive rebound and putting it back they were scoring what felt like on like 70 to 80 percent of possessions it really felt like that yeah and they just i think there's such a consistent threat from deep that it just it overextends the defense a little bit and then they just get layups and or dunks mm-hmm. and they've got the athletes to finish in traffic and that's just makes a huge difference um what did we even say when we were predicting this game did we i mean this this seems like about what everybody probably expected maybe yeah. i don't know maybe take 10 points off of each team's score yeah i think that's, that's exactly what i was going to say was i think we predicted the the margin correctly but i think it was a little bit higher scoring than we than we thought but it was pretty much the same game as what we were thinking would happen what we did not expect though is for texas a&m to come to missouri and beat mizzou in mizzou arena um texas a&m has not been good this year they're still they're still a conference opponent and if you're not a good team you're still you're going to get tripped up by these teams every once in a while but a home game against a 150-ish Ken Palm rated team, you got to close it out. And even though they Missouri kept the free throw shooting going from the Alabama game, which was cool to see, they they just couldn't get the job done at home. And we talked about last week how this this was a game they had to win to salvage basically a decent season yeah and even they, they really weren't even salvaging much even with a win they were just trying to prevent the wheels completely coming off right and i say i think it's safe to say that's happened at this point missouri did set a new consecutive free throws made record at 51 they were 25 of 26 in this game and were they down by one when mitchell smith missed the only free throw of the game yeah of course yeah that's that was ironic of course uh drew smith played even better in this one than he did against Alabama he had 18 points again but was incredibly efficient because he was 11 of 11 from the free throw line 18 points on six field goals Uh, also eight rebounds and eight assists so he was kind of flirting with a triple double there Uh, Mark Smith had 19 points but he was only five of 13 from three Mm -hmm. so at least he was pulling the trigger Um, still Drew Smith he attempted three three-pointers. Mitchell Smith attempt, attempted three. Javon Pickett attempted four. Xavier Pinson was 0 for 4. 
and Torrance Watson was two for eight. And there was at least four times where I would take probably four threes from the, those other guys, and I'd rather have Drew Smith attempting those, especially with the way that they were being generated in the flow of the offense. He, it was not like a dribble pull-up three that he was passing on. It was He was getting the ball swung to him, and he was open. Feet set. Yeah, and he just made made an extra pass that was just unnecessary. Right. And it would be one thing if your guys, if you know, all these guys were shooting around forty percent from three. Right. But unless you're kicking it to a wide open Mark Smith, and even then, sometimes I'm okay with you just shooting. Yeah. Even if you're less open. Yeah. I agree. And I thought that kind of started to happen earlier, maybe a, a few it weeks ago. It seemed like maybe something was changing. Yeah, and. It, it seemed like it really benefited the, benefited the offense for Drew Smith to prove that he would shoot consistently um, because I think whenever he just is pass first and everybody knows it, they can kind of sag off of him at, at, on the three-point line a little bit, and that happens. It um, happened in this game, and he just kind of let him do it. Yeah, and I think he, I 100% agree, has to start pulling the trigger. Um, but it was, it was weird. I, I said earlier that Missouri doesn't know who they are. They're inconsistent. They do different stuff every game. This was one of the only times of the whole year I feel like where they actually were the same team from game to game from from Alabama to Texas A&M they were the same team they shot free throws well they got fouled pretty often more than they normally do they shot terribly from two point and pretty terribly from three point and they played pretty lackluster defense they were almost the same exact in almost all of those categories between those two games but it's just strange that both of those games are almost just statistical things that just don't make sense how they can shoot from the line so well and not shoot well from anywhere else and i i just don't understand and uh conzo has been asked about it multiple times like how is the offense going to get going like the the questions that he's asked are specifically about offense and then he answers it with well we missed a lot of opportunities on defense and that's like the first thing he brings up which is just kind of fear it's just frustrating because well, but now the SEC play has started and we're pretty well into it. I mean, it's pretty apparent at this point that the defense is not where we thought it would be and probably not where he expected it to be. Right, and I don't understand that, man. I, I just It's crazy that we started off the season, the first half of the season was so good defensively. And the SEC is not like an offensive juggernaut of a conference. Not at all. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Uh, the bench was a little bit shorter than normal. Um Javon Pickett started against Texas A&M because apparently Kobe Brown was out uh, with illness. Mm-hmm. Um, he was dressed and everything, but did not play. And this definitely seems like the type of game where they could have used him. Just a little bit of scoring. And, But we didn't see uh, Trey Jackson at all, and you got to think maybe he could have provided that maybe not quite as efficiently as Kobe Brown, but yeah. something on offense just to contribute a little bit. Yeah, I don't get that at all. So we basically just rolled with seven guys, um, Penson and Watson off the bench. Torrance Watson, I mean, both those guys had pretty pretty terrible games. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really inefficient shooting. Um, Penson turned the ball over four times and only had two assists. And having a short bench is kind of something that I've hoped the Conzo would play with a little bit at some point this year because it feels like most of the time we've actually been on the other end of the spectrum where he's playing like 10 guys and it's and he's subbing a lot so it seems to me like it's might be difficult for guys to get in a rhythm um but now we've seen the other side and obviously Kobe Brown is a guy that would normally be playing so it's not like he was just not playing because he's not good enough but 
um, the seven guy thing didn't exactly go so well either. So, and the shooting did not improve with right. less subbing. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it was cool though, to see that free throw record go down. That was cool. It just seemed like so easy. I don't know. Just like two games. I eh, just don't miss any free throws Yeah, and there's a record. Um, so after those two losses, Missouri falls to nine and nine on the season, one and five in the SEC, 85th now in Ken Palm. Their rating is a 108 on offense and 75 on defense. What did you think about the last play of the game? Of course, we got to talk about that. Uh, loved it. I thought it was executed, drawn up perfectly. Um, I was a little terrified as soon as Mark Smith threw the ball. I thought it was going out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I was going to like bang off the backboard or something mm-hmm. um, just because of the angle on the broadcast. But then it looked like it was exactly what they drew up. Parker Brown goes up, immediately kicks it out to Watson for an open three, and it was just a little too strong. Yeah, I actually in like kind of historically hate um, plays like that, like full court passes from the inbounds, like when there's like you know less than five seconds left or whatever. I almost feel like it would be better off just inbounding the ball and then just putting up a long three or like a half court type shot which is what they would have had to do with two seconds left um, rather than just throwing the ball all the way across the court when all five players of the other team are just standing there ready for it. But, yeah, I think this worked out really well. It was a perfect throw for Mark Smith. But what did you think about them drawing the play up for for Watson? Because obviously I I saw online there was on Twitter people were kind of mad that or just in disbelief that they uh, drew it up specifically for Watson to shoot it. Well, I think that – I thought it seemed pretty obvious. Um, actually, before the play even happened, um, I was watching the broadcast, and they had a camera looking at Mizzou's huddle, and you could actually see Penson tap Watson on the back of the head like, you got it. It's your time. Mm. Like, make it happen. So uh, that tells me that this is just a play that they've worked on, and those, at least Mark Smith and Torrance Watson – they knew as soon as that play was talked about, that's what they were going to do. That's their role on that play. Yeah. And uh, maybe that the person that catches it down low, that could be interchangeable, but um, it seemed like they had the three guys out there that they knew exactly what they were going to do. Yeah. And this is something they've practiced. And um, people talked about Mark Smith's baseball background, you know, helping out. Probably only one guy can do what what Mark Smith did on that play. So obviously that's part of it. He did it so well. And, watching it you could see him like backing up towards the cheerleaders or whoever was at the baseline there and it was like why what does he need all this room for right and then he like takes two steps and just chucks that it. was perfect throw yeah but, yeah i mean that you can't flip it the other way i mean i don't think any like you said i don't think anybody else is making that throw uh or doing it that cleanly and maybe he doesn't do it that cleanly every single time but Probably he's not. the most likely i would say to give you that opportunity yeah and then the only other person that you're going to have catching it is Torrance Watson yeah I I understand like why people were disappointed with Watson being the person to take the three because yeah he hasn't been the most efficient shooter in the world we we get that but I personally actually really loved it because for multiple reasons um I just think at this point in the season and I don't know that there's this much thought that went into this but at this point in the season if you win this game or lose this game, it's probably not that different. 
in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I think Watson is a guy that is really talented and has the chance to have a really strong career at Mizzou, but clearly lacks confidence at this point and just needs some shots to go in. And this was potentially a huge opportunity for him to like hit a game-winning shot, kind of just maybe in something to spark his confidence. And I just I want Torrance Watson to be successful so badly. I just I really like the kid. I, I remember following him following him in high school. I want I just think he's really good and has the potential to be good has a really good career. So I'm as much as anyone I want to see Watson succeed. And so that that was a great opportunity for him to to hit a game winning shot and spark his confidence. And for the coach to put him in that position, I think maybe it can even get him get him some confidence, even though he didn't even make the shot. I don't know, but. Yeah, well, I think that ties back in a little bit to just that being a play that that they knew. As soon as they called it, they knew what everybody's job was. And I think just having the comp, they're not going to, you know, that's potentially something they worked on in the off season. You know, that's one of their go-to plays, I would assume, in, in a similar situation like that. So he knows in this situation, he's thinking, okay, they're going to count on me to do this. And I just think if you did anything else, that would be, just screaming to him that you do not have confidence in him to do this. And if you're not going to trust him to knock down that shot, who else are you going to trust? I mean, Mark Smith can't shoot every three for this team. Mm -hmm. And, and I think because Torrance hasn't had a great season, it made him even more wide open to take the shot because I think honestly, I don't know if Texas A&M had a timeout they could have used there, but for them to look as unprepared for that play as they did was kind of surprising to me because the way Mark Smith was acting and the fact that they weren't running much like decoy, you know, with the guards up front, it didn't even ever look like they were trying to throw it, you know, on the close side of half court and just take a running long shot like that. So I don't know. It seemed like they should have been better prepared for that. And I think next time Mark Smith is inbounding the ball and he takes a few steps back, the defense is going to know that he's going to check it deep. Now that's on film. And I wish they could have taken advantage of the perfect play call yes, when they so needed cool it. to make that shot. I just don't, I don't think you can call that exact play again and at least not this season and expect it to go that, that well. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I was kind of, uh, overlooking that uh, aspect of the game just because of the fact that we lost to Texas A&M at home. Um, let's see here. So I looked at the conference only ranks um, after the, or just looked today and Missouri is 10th in the SEC in offense and 13th in defense. However, within those categories, they're first in free throw percentage uh, thanks in large part to the streak that they went on and still fifth in three-point shooting. And then on defense, they are still first in turnover percentage defense. But overall, uh, 10th and 13th is not where you want to be in a 14-team conference. But now they don't have to play an SEC game next. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Going to go on the road to... uh one of the toughest places to play in America, probably. Yeah. Uh, Missouri's, like you said, going on the road to play West Virginia. And for some reason, I, I don't know if it's just in my head, but 
this is just like a recurring thing that since Missouri has left the Big 12, when they play Big 12 opponents, it's like the same three over and over again. Because mm-hmm. this will be the second time they've played West Virginia in basketball, and they've also played them twice in football. Even though, as we've discussed before, they never played West Virginia when they were both mm-hmm. uh, members of the Big 12. And as we've discussed, they have had very little success playing <clears throat> uh, former Big 12 teams or teams that are now in the Big 12, obviously West Virginia, Yeah, since leaving. Yeah, the last time they played West Virginia was a, like an all-time heartbreaker. It really was. Just Especially in a, a season that had a lot of promise, too. And it ended up being a good season still, but... Just that, finishing that game off with a win that's like probably worth a whole seed in the ncaa tournament that probably bumps you from an eight seed to a seven seed if that's just a win on your resume yeah and then we don't have to play florida state who was like hotter than anybody (laughs) yeah although i still don't think uh an ncaa tournament team or game was going very well in the circumstances that were probably not the end of that season uh but Missouri gets another shot to play West Virginia, but this time it's on the road, and West Virginia is ranked sixth in Ken Palm, <laughs> 45th on offense, and third in the country on defense. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> they you are learn a thing or two from them. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they are 15 and three on the season, four and two in conference. Uh, their three losses were to St. John's, Kansas, and Kansas State, so not bad losses by any means. Um, they're led by two young forwards, and one of them, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. His n- first name is Oscar, and then we have Derek Culver, and they are both almost averaging a double-double. Oscar is at 11.7 points, 9.5 rebounds per game, and Derek Culver, 10.7 points, 9.2 rebounds per game. So a team in Missouri that is without their uh, most talented post presence and has been kind of struggling against some of the premier post players in the SEC. Let's see what uh, this tandem can do when they're playing at home in a uh, conference rivalry situation. Mm. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, I think uh, West Virginia just had a win over Texas at home by like 40 points almost. They were up by 40 at one point, yeah. And Texas is definitely not very good this year, but they're they're probably around what Missouri's level is. So I wish we were playing Texas in the uh, <laughs> that, SEC Big Twelve. That would have been challenge. nice. Um, I'm glad we're not playing Kansas this year, honestly, though, because yeah. we're just uh, would not go well. I'm sure. Yeah, I'd rather play them next year uh, with their new coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they've got a guard named Miles McBride who also averages 10 points per game, and he's also their best three-point shooter. He's shooting 40 percent from three. Uh, big wins over Ohio State, Northern Iowa, Wichita State, and Texas Tech already this season. And they are ranked third uh, in the country on defense, mainly because of their effective field goal percentage defense, which is number one in the country. Which is what Missouri already does terribly anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, on, on offense, they're super balanced. They have two talented forwards, like we already talked about. Pretty good guards that can score if they have to and are efficient from three-point line they it's at it's at west virginia they're the best at what we're the worst at it's it is not looking like saturday is going to be very much fun um i i genuinely feel like 
a win over West Virginia would be absolutely shocking at this point, or even if it's very close, I, I think I'd be surprised. That's probably not much of a hot take on at this point. No, not really. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to look at their team and see anything helpful. Uh, their offense is prone to turning the ball over, and Missouri seems to be doing that pretty well in their SEC games. But there's nothing here that best case scenario in this game is Missouri keeping it within ten. Mm-hmm. That's if everything goes right. Mm-hmm. What do you know? What time this game is on Saturday? Yeah, it is eleven a.m. Well, maybe West Virginia will just be sleepwalking, and all the fans will be sleepwalking. Yep. If that's the case, we can hope for that, and then Missouri will still lose by eight. <laughs> Bob Huggins, man, he's really good. I was looking at his. Uh, just kind of his Wikipedia profile and uh, Ken Palm profile. He took Cincinnati to a Final Four, then coached one season at Kansas State before taking the job in West Virginia. Took them to a Final Four really quickly. Missouri actually played West Virginia in the NCAA tournament. I want to say it was like 2010, the year after they went to the Elite Eight. Uh, the year after Missouri went to the Elite Eight, they upset, technically by seed, upset Clemson in the first round and then had to play, I think, four seed, maybe two seed. I guess the 10-7 matchup would play the two seed, right, mm-hmm. in the second round, and they got beat by West Virginia, but it was still a pretty good game, and I believe that's the West Virginia team that went on to go to the Final Four. He's a great coach, man. Yeah. And they've just been rolling ever since then. He's so tough. All his teams are always so tough. He just knows what kind of player he wants to recruit. And they just, I don't know, man, they're coachable. And they get in there and they play hard. And, and they they usually don't have recruits that are like, no. you know, jumping off the not at all the top ten at you or whatever. He's kind of like, uh, almost reminds me of Mike Leach, kind of just like super old school, just like, I don't know, but without all the memes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what, what more we can say about this matchup. I mean, yeah. like I said, everything, even if everything went perfectly for Missouri, I don't see him winning this one. So yeah. I, I've got West Virginia winning by 16. I was going to say 17. <sighs> Hope, hopefully under 20. Yeah. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, I wouldn't be surprised if Missouri just, can't do anything on offense hopefully somebody can just make some shots maybe west virginia will not respect their opponent that'd be helpful and not play as hard as they normally do and then missouri would only lose by 12 (laughs) uh then we go back to the sec with a game against georgia now as we speak georgia has just crept above missouri in the kempom rankings Missouri 85, Georgia 84. Not necessarily something we expected um, just a couple months ago, but that's the reality of the situation. They are 54th on offense and 125th on defense. So like reverse of Missouri, but also a little better at the good thing and a little worse at the bad thing. And almost reverse in the way that I feel like they've just gotten better as the season has gone on. Like they kind of started out where I was like, uh, 
they've got some really talented players, but they're probably just not going to be that great, especially in what is this Tom Crean's second year? Mm. An early career, second uh, year for Tom Crean. So, but they've, they've already won as many games as they did last year. Yeah, but they've really kind of turned it on in the last month or two, and. Um, have had some pretty nice wins and even games that they haven't lost uh, or excuse me even some games that they did lose were, were close against good opponents mm-hmm. uh, yeah I mean if you look at their their resume um, it's fine I mean their losses are all to top 50 teams and they don't have any big wins but they beat top 100 Georgia Tech SMU Memphis Tennessee um, they are just one and four in conference play uh, their overall record is 11 and seven, but they've been doing enough in these games and not losing to they, they haven't been losing in a upset fashion. So their Kimpom rating is just kind of going up little by little every week um, until now that they're still not projected projected to win uh, very many conference games. Kimpom has has them at seven and 11, but they're going to be this is this is just like the Tennessee game for Missouri. This is another game against an opponent that is going to finish around your spot in the standings. And this head to head matchup is one that you have to win. If you want to be not in the bottom four at the mm-hmm. end of the season, especially at home for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Edwards is very likely to be the number one overall pick of the draft. It kind of depends on what team ends up getting that pick. Cause if it's golden state, then they're, I don't know. We've had this discussion. That would be, before yeah, they pre- they I don't know that I see them. Would they trade a guard? Back, maybe would maybe. they trade the number one pick? I don't know, but Edwards is truly an incredible talent. He's super well rounded. Um, he can score at any level. He's super scary prospect for sure. A huge huge recruiting get for Tom Crean. Five star guy could have gone wherever he wanted. He was recruited right up until the end by Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He's from Georgia, isn't he? I think he's a yeah. local guy. Yeah. But, I mean, how many times have we Still seen though, yeah. Yeah, the top player in a state? I mean, uh, t- it reminded me of uh, Malik Monk from Bentonville, Arkansas. I mean, that was a guy, that a five-star guy that Arkansas thought they had. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal and when then he, he kind of spurned Arkansas yeah, for he chose Kentucky. Kentucky. And this, it could have been the exact same situation here, but he stayed home and went to Georgia. And I can't help but think, I can't help but wonder – because Tom Crean was a name that was thrown around, and I liked him very much for the Mizzou job um, when it was vacant, I got to wonder if he's able to snag a couple, one even, of these in-state guys in in the last couple years. Because that's what he did at Georgia. I mean, they literally brought him in to get guys like this. Mm-hmm. And probably even had Edwards in mind when they hired Crean. They were like, here, welcome to the welcome to Georgia. Here's Anthony Edwards. You need to get him on yeah. campus. Yeah, and I don't know that I want to start a huge conversation about you know what ifs, but you know uh, Tom Crean, like you said, was a guy that was in the conversation the same year that Missouri was hiring a coach, and so was Eric Musselman at Arkansas now, and both of those guys are kind of on the up and up, and we're not not on the up and up. <laughs> um, Georgia has a really potent offense led by Edwards. He's averaging 19 points per game, but obviously with a defensive rating of 125, uh, that leaves a little bit to be desired. So uh, with Missouri playing at home, hopefully they can 
uh, get something going on offense. Um, Edwards is pretty much their main outside shooting threat. They're not a great three-point shooting team, but they are efficient around the basket. He just gets so much attention from the defense that he's able to um, create opportunities for his teammates to score right around the basket. And of course, we didn't really touch on this specifically in the when we were talking about the Alabama game, but that's their whole philosophy. And a lot of teams, and I would say Missouri would be included in one of those teams that understands the efficiency metrics and that you want open threes and open layups. You want to shoot three-pointers or right at the basket, and that's something that Georgia does really well. Yeah, they showed the like the shot, shot chart, chart yeah. in the Alabama game. And they literally had like every shot they took in the yeah. whole game. One was, shot was mid range. Yeah, every single shot was either a three point shot or within like two feet of the basket. It was honestly kind of a thing of beauty. And I, I get so angry when I see players taking long twos like or little Mitchell Smith fadeaway mid range jumpers. I'm just like, what are you doing? But I don't want to. That that'll really get me going. So <laughs> we don't want to go down that that rabbit hole. Uh, one bright spot though. I mean, I already talked about Georgia's defense being lackluster, but when you look at just their uh, conference games and just their rankings within the SEC, they are dead last in defensive efficiency, effective field goal percentage defense, offensive rebound percentage defense, two-point shooting percentage defense, as well as blocks and turnovers. So lots of opportunities for Missouri to do something offensively. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we can just kind of hope that this is the – obviously we expected a win against Texas A&M, but this is the part of the schedule for Missouri that lightens up a little bit. And they've got Georgia, and then next week we'll talk about South Carolina and then Texas A&M again. They're still favored against Texas A&M on the road this time, but really going to have to make some headway here if they want to have anything approaching a – respectable conference record at the end of the season yeah if we're losing to texas a&m at home i just don't there's not really very many games if any at all that i could feel confident about us winning and even like home against georgia i don't really think that we're going to win this game unless just something changes how bad is it going to be then i'd say they lose by six i'll take i'll take the opposite i say missouri's going to win by six I don't know if I'm overly confident in that. I'm definitely not, but I think I think they can put it together enough of a decent game plan around Anthony Edwards that hopefully they'll force somebody else to try to beat him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's got a pretty good, you know, second guy there in Rayshon Hammonds, averages 14 points per game. So I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I like your uh, prediction a little bit better than mine as far as accuracy goes. But I'm going to go with my heart a little bit on this one and, and pick Missouri to win it. Well, I will surely root against my own prediction. <laughs> How are you feeling about Missouri basketball? I'm not I'm not feeling too great, Kyle. Um, I don't think I don't think this season is going how anybody in the program or around the program expected. And probably the worst thing about it is the fact that the SEC media picked Missouri to finish 13th. And we, we scoffed at that. Conzo Martin scoffed at that. 
the the beat writers, the everybody that knew anything about this team thought that was ridiculous. And we even said, or you asked me specifically, does Missouri have a better chance of finishing the top four of the conference or the bottom four of the conference? And I said, you got to say top four. I just couldn't see any way that they would finish in the bottom four. And I, and I still think even though they lost head-to-head to Texas A&M, Texas A&M is not – they're supposed to win three more games. I mean, they're, they're really – if they get to seven conference wins, that would be really impressive. And then with the way Ole Miss has been playing and, and just a couple other teams, I just think – I don't know. I don't want to think about the fact that Missouri could finish in the bottom four. Yeah, and it's looking pretty likely at this point. And I know we've talked about this a little bit in recent weeks, but hope is very important in sports, especially when you're a fan of a team like Missouri that maybe isn't always, you know, we're not like a top 10 program. And so there's years. We're not? Well, not not very often. (laughs) And so there's a lot of years where we're not that good, but normally there's hope, and that's what kind of – keeps you out of a depressive state and that's what you know keeps your your fandom intact because you're like well at least we got this going for us and at least we you know whatever but i just don't feel that right now and this this year has been so uh, like you said so so under what everybody expected and recruiting's kind of dead and in fact i think I, I read an article with a recruit about a recruit um today and he mentioned that Missouri was, you know, said some good things about Missouri, but mentioned that they were in like a rebuilding year. And we are not in a rebuilding year. We were supposed to be good this year. Yeah. And we had like so many returning pieces, and including a, a guy, you know, and Drew Smith that we thought, and really kind of has been what we thought he would be, but it just hasn't mattered. We're still bad. And there's so many strange like what is going on type things just revolving around this team and around the on-court performances as well as recruiting and and coaching and it's just it's weird man there's not a lot of hope right now and and that's the thing about sports is it can change quickly and maybe something sparks with the guys and you know there's things behind the scenes going on for good or for or for bad um that can change that and but right now it's it's something yeah, it takes me back to, I mean, you, you can't think about the fan base right now and not be reminded of the end of the Kim Anderson era. That was a worse on-the-floor product. I don't think anybody could dispute that. I mean, they never came close to being a top 100 team in the country. It was just awful every single year. But when the fan base starts to lose hope and starts to say, you know, what's going on? What are we doing? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Mm -hmm. Then that's the most recent time we were in that position. However, in that situation, some people felt that way after the very first game when they lost to UMKC. I was one of the people that didn't really feel that way until they lost, you know, to Eastern Illinois. Right. However, This year's Missouri team lost to Charleston Southern, which is worse in every single way. Right, and it's worse because expectations are different because we expected this team to be to be better, and we didn't really have expectations for Cam Anderson, especially in year one. All the players were young, and yeah, yeah, we had hope in in year one of Cam Anderson era. We had hope that hey, he's brought in a pretty 
decent recruiting class and a lot of those players end up being pretty good players somewhere else not right. here <laughs> right but i will I give just, you let me give you one little one little nugget one me, little light give me a little nug now obviously we've talked about josh christopher a lot okay now well, there's been a development you may have seen that one of his good friends sharif o'neill if the last name sounds familiar it's because he's the son of a former nba superstar one of the best players to ever play basketball shaquille o'neill oh really yeah <laughs> he played at ucla actually he originally committed to arizona i believe and then when the sean miller uh situation happened uh he flipped to ucla has played there this season and he is transferring and it's well known that he is very good friends with josh christopher and was probably would influence his decision to go to ucla maybe just a little bit but it would definitely be there and now ucla was definitely the front runner maybe i would say they were the front runner considered by pretty much everybody to get josh christopher next year and if one of his really good friends had a not so great experience there you know they're going to talk about it and i can that's only going to influence him negatively unless he just thought sure. you know they have completely different priorities and a completely different situation which could be mm-hmm. and uh, missouri i think could use a six nine post player who's incredibly athletic maybe not super skilled yet but would get would would sit out i mean with the timing of this he would be sitting out for quite some time mm-hmm. uh, to transfer to another d1 school but didn't really put up great numbers at ucla but uh didn't play very much i don't know i just think it's worth a shot for missouri to uh maybe reach out and see you know well, maybe tell josh christopher hey you know talk to your buddy and yeah you know let him know we've definitely seen firsthand that players uh who aren't super successful somewhere can b- go somewhere else and be successful so we've been on the wrong end of a few of those so it'd be nice to uh see it work out for us but uh yeah that would certainly be ideal to uh have maybe both of those guys come on down to uh to columbia i think there's some um concerns maybe about uh mr o'neill's work ethic um probably hasn't had to work for a lot in his life but that doesn't mean that he still couldn't be good at basketball or uh figure out how to develop a work ethic so um, i think i'd certainly take him especially if it's going to help us potentially land josh christopher because right now josh christopher is the exact kind of player we need to bring something to the table that we don't have i would take a i'd take a six nine forward who can finish at the rim you take a flyer on him yeah (laughs) A uh, former four-star top 50 recruit. Yeah, I think I could I could handle it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, with him, with him transferring, though, and this late in the season, I don't know. I guess at the very least, it probably just, like you said, might make the chance of Josh Christopher going to UCLA lower. lower. Yeah. Whether it may not mean that he's going to come to Mizzou now or that O'Neal is going to come to Mizzou or anything, but it might just mean that he's not going to UCLA. So it might eliminate the, uh, the current leader in his recruitment. Yeah. And there's no uh, indication that that's something that Missouri is even pursuing. I mean, this just mm-hmm. happened a couple of days ago. So right. just, uh, just some wishful thinking and yeah. just maybe try to give a little glimmer of hope there uh, because that's, that's pretty much all we have at this point is looking forward to 
what this team can become in the future. Maybe that future is next week, though. Maybe they'll maybe they'll turn things around. You're predicting a win at West Virginia? Never. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> Gonna win at West Virginia. Uh, you got anything else you want to say about this? Oh, uh, I think I have uh, vented enough to you. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, literally everywhere on the internet that there are Spotify that there are uh, podcasts. We're pretty much the most successful people, accessible people, and successful and successful. I meant to say accessible, but sometimes just like Freudian slip, you know, because yeah. we're super successful. Yeah. Uh, we we're really accessible, guys. It's on Twitter. We're at at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail if you email us, I'll just send you a direct link to the podcast. I'll send you the, just the raw uh, file. You can just you know do whatever you want with it. Have it make a nice fun edit. You know, send it to us. Just be creative. And you can find me on Twitter at c underscore Albert 08. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>